Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our series, Unshakable, where we unpack the life of Daniel. Although his world was torn apart, Daniel lived an unshakable life and was a light in darkness. In this eight-week journey together, we will learn how you can live out the same unshakable life. I remember I had my first kiss when I was six years old because those kids on the playground kept calling me a chicken. When I was 11, I begged my mom to buy me those shoes that they were all wearing. I cried and cried because I just didn't want them to stare. They had been staring. I just wanted to fit in. I got wasted and had sex with my girlfriend because guess what? That's what everyone else was doing. I just wanted to fit in. I'm sitting here and I'm wondering why I'm still struggling in my relationships. I can't function without those Saturday nights where my friends drive me home because I'm too drunk to stand. I just want to fit in and I wonder, I wonder if I'll ever love her without any jealousy or fear. I wonder when I'll drive home drunk and ruin all the gifts that he has given me. I wonder if kids will ever wear what they want to wear. I wonder when men will fight back on that lust. I wonder when girls will stop cutting their wrists just to let out the pain of being ignored and feeling neglected. They just want to fit in. We just want to fit in. I wonder. I wonder when we will understand that we don't have to, that we are never alone, that we are welcome in his home. We don't have to fit in because he has a place for us in his kingdom, at his table. We are meant to stand apart, but we are never alone. And I don't want to fit in, really. I don't want to fit in. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And if you're a guest, again, we just want to say we're glad that you're joining us. Last week, we started a brand new series called Unshakable. And throughout this series, we're going to walk through the book of Daniel and look at his life of how he is unshakable. And last week, we talked about how we're living in a time of uncertainty. If there's one thing we know for certain about this last year is we don't know what's coming next. Just when we think it's gotten as bad as it could possibly get, then something else happens and it continues on. And and many people held out hope that as soon as we were done with 2020, life would get back to normal again. And yet here we are almost four months into 2021 and church, it's still not getting there, is it? And and we're we're really in an uncertain time. But in this time of great uncertainty, how can we live an unshakable life? How can we put our faith in Jesus Christ on the solid rock we stand and on other ground is sinking sand? 
And again, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go to our website, Yankton.Church, our YouTube channel. You can watch the message there. We also have a podcast as well. And each week, we're going to be kind of building on what we, we talked about the week before. But last week, we covered chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, you only covered eight verses in one sermon. Uh-oh. <laughs> we might be in for a long series. Maybe we will be. <laughs> but we're going to take this slow because I want you to really understand who Daniel was. Because I think it's so key and so important to what God has called us to do. And last week I asked you the question. I said, we have to settle the question, is God a good God? Every week we say, God is good, and you say what? All the time. Do you really believe that? Yes. Yep. Because if you really believe it, it's going to change everything about who we are. And we talked about how Daniel's life kind of took a turn the way he didn't really think it would. And we said how God cares more about our holiness than our happiness. Daniel was taken from his homeland by a pagan king. His land was invaded. Everything he knew, everything he loved was taken away from him. And he tried to take the one thing that Daniel held on to, and that was his identity. And I made the case last week where I said, I believe that in this country today, we're living in exile. Just as the same way that the children of Israel were taken to a foreign land and put in exile because of their forgetfulness. They forgot who their God was. They forgot what his word said. And because of that, they were taken in exile in church. I would say that's our country today. We've forgotten what God's word says. We, we've tried to compromise in areas we never should have. And because of that, we found ourselves in the position that we are today. But I want to be encouraging, not discouraging. Because last week we focused on this verse, Daniel 1, verse 8. And it's going to be on the screen again. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Daniel said, I am going to be unshakable in an uncertain time. God, Daniel said, I'm going to do what my God asked me to do. I don't care what culture says. I don't care which way the wind blows. I don't care what's happening in the world around me. You can take my home. You can take my family. You can destroy my temple. You can take my land, but you will never take my Lord. And Daniel was unshakable. Church, who wants that kind of faith? I sure do. And that's what we're going to be walking through today. But we're going to focus on the second half of that verse. Daniel 1, 8. And I'm going to show you the second half that we read last week too as well. Daniel asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. I don't want you to miss what's going on here, church. Again, Daniel and this group of men were taken captive. And they were said, listen, we're going to try to take your identity. We want you to be more like us. And we're going to change who you are and want you to go along with culture. And Daniel said, no, I can't do that. See, it, it, it sounds good in theory, right? I want to stand up for Jesus. I want to do what God says. I'm going to be an unshakable faith. But then you got some decisions to make, don't you, church? And sometimes they're not very easy. There's consequences for living a holy life. Just by making the statement, Daniel was literally putting his life in his own hands. He was basically saying, I could be killed for what I'm trying to do. And so church, I want to ask you the question this morning. What price are you willing to pay for holiness? What price are you willing to pay to serve and love God? When you take a stand and say, I'm going to follow what God says, can I help you with something? You might be losing friends. You might lose your popularity status. It might even cost you your job. 
But I doubt that anyone in this room, and maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt anyone in this room has ever maybe cost them their life. But believers all over the world are faced with that decision. If you choose to follow Jesus Christ, you will lose your family, you will lose your home, you could even lose your life. Makes me thankful for the country that I live in, amen? Daniel was willing to risk everything because he understood something that I don't want you to miss. Daniel was willing to risk everything because he understood that his God was everything. As long as I hold on to God and the faith that I have, I don't need all this other stuff. You can even take my life because I know who my God is. And verse 9 is so important. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Now we got to unpack that statement for a little bit. God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. This is a guy who was an official in Nebuchadnezzar's army. This was the greatest military force on planet Earth at that time. This guy took orders from no one, especially a Hebrew boy who we knew was about 15 years old. And the fact that this man actually, God caused him to show favor and compassion for Daniel is super, super impressive. Because again, they were taken away from their home by force. That You could make the case that this official was Daniel's enemy. And in a way that I would say none of us have experienced that ever in this room. The way that somebody could be doing that. So why? That's what I want to ask the question. Why would this official show favor and compassion to Daniel? And to understand that fully, we have to understand what it means to be in exile. And I, I would contend, I don't think we fully get what it means to really be in exile and how we can get by that. So if you got your note sheet, that, that piece of paper on that's got your information on it, flip it over to the blank side. I'm going to give you three kind of paths, three kind of decisions, three kind of roads you might think of when you're living in exile. Because just like I said, Daniel was living in exile, but I think we are today too. And how could it be that this little Hebrew teenager could say to an army official, the most powerful army in the world, listen, I'm not going to do it. And this guy actually shows Daniel compassion towards him. How does that work? And I want to unpack this for us today. Because really, when you get in exile, there are three roads that you can go down. And I'm going to give you the first one right now. You can reject it. You can just say, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm going to completely reject it. And I would say that's what a lot of believers in Jesus in our country today have been doing. I would say, I would make the case that more Christians today are known for what we're against than what we're for. Can I just give you some examples of this? Abortion, alcohol, pornography, homosexuality, evolution. When you hear those things, you might think, these are all things that Christians are against. And, and church, I have a fear with that. And, and I want to express to you my fear. I think that our, my fear is the reason why the church in the United States is failing is because we are known more for what we're against than what we're for. Just this past week, and you might have seen it, there was an article in the Press in Colton about a church here in Yankton that's closing. And this is the second church in the year that's closed in Yankton. And um, I, I've known about this situation for a while. And it, I just want to let you know, church, it just breaks my heart every time I hear that. Because I believe in God's church. I believe we're the hope of the world. But this is not unique to Yankton. And this is not a conviction of this church. Please don't hear that. But there was a statement in that article. If you didn't read it, I'd encourage you to go back and read it. 
And a statement was made, there's just too many churches in Yankton. And I just want to say this publicly, I couldn't disagree with that statement more. I, I couldn't disagree with that statement more. And here's why. And again, this is not a conviction of this church because this is happening all over the country. Entire denominations are folding right now. And I would say it's because we are more for, known for what we're against than what we're for. You know what Jesus said about the church? He said, the world will know you are my disciples by how you what? Love one another. That means everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, we show love and compassion to but we spend more time judging and condemning than we do anything else. And it gets worse when we talk about people outside the church or people who don't agree with what we believe in. We get even more convicting and even more standing up against that. But look at what Jesus said. And again, this is the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be what? Children of the Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise in the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And here's a line that I don't want you to miss, church. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? See, Daniel understood that he couldn't just simply reject the culture that was around him. Because there were people there that mattered to him. This man, who maybe was part of the group that actually literally killed his family, was about as his enemy as you could get. But you know what Daniel did? Daniel understood this part right here. He loved his enemy. He prayed for those who persecuted him. And I would contend that's why that official showed favor to Daniel, because he understood that. See, by rejecting our culture and our world, what we're doing is we're alienating ourselves from the very relationships that God desires for us to have. We are called to love those who are different than us. Jesus called us to be salt and light. And we're supposed to be salt and light in the world. Have any of you ever gotten salt in your eyes? I have, it's kind of painful. Have any of you ever had a bright light, like right here, just shine right now that happen? You can't see anything, can you? What's my point in saying that? We're called to be salt and light. But if you throw it in somebody's eyes, it's not going to do them any good. In fact, it's going to hurt them even more. Daniel understood that. And here's what I would contend. You know what Daniel could have done? Daniel could have called a hunger strike, right? He could have said, we refuse to eat this food. He could have got up in his soapbox and he said, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm just going to go on a hunger strike. And he would have died a martyr. And you know what I fear? <laughs> if that would have happened in the church today, there would be people that would applaud it and say, way to go, Daniel. Yeah, you died a martyr. And they would miss the entire promise of what God had for Daniel's life. Daniel did something very unique. He chose not to reject the culture around him. But, but there's a danger in that. And I'm going to unpack this for you. Because there's a second road we can go down. Instead of just rejecting it, there's also a second path that we can go down. And it's called we rejoice in it. We can, we can, the danger of going to the other side is we can rejoice in culture, right? And this happens all the time now. This is happening in denominations that are Christian denominations. They just say, it's all good. Everything's great. Yeah, if you feel that way, go ahead and do that. You know, who are we to judge? No big deal. Just go ahead. And you know what? If the Bible gets in the way of what you want to feel, oh, you know, who are we? We'll just take that part of the Bible and we'll just we'll look at that. We'll, we'll just ignore that part because we want to celebrate who you are and, and your individuality. Anybody ever hear those messages in culture today? 
that's happening all over the church. And church, I, I, I'm just here to say, we can't rejoice in it either. And, and Daniel, not only did he not reject it, he also didn't rejoice in it. Because look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. This is so powerful. Chapter 6, verse 14. What do righteousness and wicked have in common? The answer is nothing. What do fellowship with light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Satan? See, what I see is when we rejoice in the culture, what we're choosing to do is we're choosing our friendships over our faithfulness. And church, we can't do that. The Bible tells us we have to speak the truth, absolutely, but we need to do it in love. And we can't compromise the truth. And Daniel understood that. I don't think we will ever really realize how hard it was for Daniel to go to the leader of the known world and say, I am not going to eat your food. I'm not going to compromise on that. His life could have ended immediately. But I'm going to say this again, church. Daniel knew what was right. And Daniel knew what was wrong. Daniel said, if God said it, that's all I need to know. And I am willing to obey it. Church, I'm going to say something that might kind of hurt. Popularity doesn't make something right. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's okay with God. But, but I want to give you something that's really cool. Do you know this? God plus you is a majority. <laughs> God plus you. If you are on God's side and the world is against you, you're on the right side. And of all the Jewish boys that were taken into captivity... We know of four of them, Daniel and his three friends, who stood up and said, I cannot rejoice in this culture. I'm going to make a stand. And I think every one of those, according to Scripture, what I read, every other Jewish boy said, no, nah, you guys, we're, we're going to go along with this. Just go along with it and do it. And we can't do that, church. Now, if you're feeling kind of tense right now, I hope that's the case. That was my goal. So if you're feeling tension right now, I, I did my job. Because there's a tension there, isn't there, Right? Right? We can't reject culture. We can't just say, well, we're not going to do it. It's not going to be part of it. But we also can't rejoice in it either. There's a tension there that we have to walk. And Daniel understood that as well. Since we can't simply reject culture and we can't rejoice in it, what alternative do we have? How can we live in exile the way that Daniel did? And Daniel did something very important that I think God's calling you and I to do today. Daniel didn't reject the culture. Daniel didn't redeem the or <laughs> didn't rejoice in the culture. Daniel redeemed it. That's the third road we can go down. Instead of rejecting it, instead of rejoicing in it, we can instead redeem it. We are called to live a holy life. Our goal is to redeem the world. Darkness never goes away unless someone gets up and goes over and turns on the light. That is how we get rid of darkness in the world, is we actually redeem it. Now, I'm going to take you on a journey here. Because, again, I, I hope you're feeling some tension right now. Because that, that's, that's what, we're, what we're going for. But I'm going to take you on a journey through God's Word and help you understand that redemption is the exact plan that God has for all of humanity. Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything in the world, and He creates man and woman, Right? Genesis chapter 2, God says to man and woman, I'm going to put you in charge, you're my special creation, and I'm going to give you a mission for the world. Genesis chapter 3, we screwed it up. <laughs> it took us one chapter, and we screwed it up. But don't miss this, church. The entire rest of the Old Testament is God chasing us. Because his plan of redemption is what he wants. To restore what was originally broken. 
And God picked a man named Abraham. And out of Abraham grew a family. And out of that family came a man named Moses. And out of Moses grew a nation called Israel. And God took that nation to a promised land. And out of that nation came a kingdom. And God established David. And God said, David, my, my, my redemption plan for the world is going to come through you. And that kingdom was led all the way down to Daniel, what we're talking about today. And it was taken to exile because they forgot that. But after 70 years, we talked about that last week. After 70 years, God brought them back to the promised land. And there were people named Nehemiah and Ezra who restored the nation of Israel. And over about 400 years, the nation became established as God's plan of redemption because his Savior Jesus was coming. Amen. And God wanted to prepare a way for his son to come into the world to redeem the whole world. And he did that. We just celebrated that a couple weeks ago back on Easter. And now, church, we are living in the time of redemption. Where God says, my spirit will be poured out on all people. It's not just about one family or one nation or one kingdom. It's about all people in the world. And your and I's job is to do two things. To surrender and submit to our holy God. And then the second thing is we got to go out and be part of his redemption plan. We don't have the option to just say, I'm going to opt out. I'm going to create my little holy huddle and I'm going to sit over here and I hope all the rest of you go to hell because I know where I'm going. We don't have that luxury. But can I say the other thing is we can't go in and just say, oh, it's no big deal. We can't speak the truth. We're just going to, everything's okay. No, we can't do that either. We can't reject it. We can't rejoice in it. Our goal is to redeem it. God's plan of redemption is for our world. And I think the church today, I think we miss that. I think that's why we struggle. Because we don't like that tension between rejoicing and rejecting and looking for the path of redemption. So just to kind of make this real practical for you, I want to walk you through what this looks like. And I just want to give you something real tangible that, that we're all very familiar with to kind of help you unpack how this works. And then we're going to look at what happened with Daniel. And here's what I want to ask you. How many of you know why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Anybody show hands? Okay. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, it's April. Okay, we just got done with Easter. Why are you talking about Christmas? <laughs> you don't know me very well. I love Christmas, okay? I was ready for Christmas on December 26th. I'm excited about Christmas. I love Christmas. But here's what I want you to understand. There's a very good reason why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. And I, and I want to give you something that might kind of scare some of you. It's not when Jesus was born. Okay? Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. What? No, no, no. We don't actually know the date when Jesus was born. Did you know that? Now, for some of you, that might shake your faith a little bit. Don't, don't let it. We know where he was born. We know that he was born. The Gospel of Luke gives this very specific time frame within about four to five years, which historically we can verify the time when Jesus was born. We don't know exactly the month and the day when Jesus was born. So I bring it back to my original question. Why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? And it's because of this principle right here. Let me help you if you're not following with me. There was a group of Jesus followers who moved into an area. And this area, there was a bunch of people who didn't know Jesus. And they celebrated all kinds of fake religions and foreign gods and all kinds of things. And, and this people, this Jesus group of Jesus followers observed something. This group of people celebrated a festival. Because on the winter solstice is what we call it today. But back then they just saw what was dark, it was cold, it was winter. And all of a sudden we started noticing our days are getting longer. Here's what they said. The sun is returning. 
Because it is, right? It's been winter, it's been dark, the days are getting longer, the sun is returning. So we have this festival we celebrate where we celebrate the returning of the sun. And it's right around what we now call December 25th. And you know what this group of Christians did, this group of Jesus followers? They looked at all those pagan people and said, well, you better stop doing that or you're going to go to hell. Jesus is going to take you and take you. you got to learn Jesus. No, no. That's not what they did. Because <laughs> what would have happened to them? They, they would have fought. What would have happened? But you know what else they didn't do? This is the other thing they didn't do. They didn't come over here and they didn't say, well, that's great. That's awesome. We should celebrate that festival. We're, forget about Jesus. Yeah, let's, let's celebrate the returning of the sun. You see where I'm walking up that tension? They didn't reject it. They didn't rejoice it. You know what they did? They did something so cool that we still do it to this day and you don't even know it. They redeemed it. They said to that group of people, you know what? I want to tell you something. There's this guy named Jesus. And, and do you know what actually? He is God. And God came down to the earth. He sent his son. His son returned. And he was actually born as a little baby. He lived his life. He died so you could have a relationship with him. You know what we should do? We should celebrate his birth right on that festival. Because it's when the son returns. And we're going to celebrate the returning of Jesus to the earth. And we're going to call it Christmas. Do you see where I'm going with this church? Do you, do you see how that's not rejecting it? It's not rejoicing in it. But they took Christmas and they redeemed it. And they use it. And it now impacts every single one of us to this day. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I think we need to redeem our culture today. I'm going to bring it back to what we're talking about. Okay, can we all agree Christmas has kind of lost its meaning? Who would agree with that? Okay, I have conversations with people all the time. I, I, I had a conversation just about a month ago with an old pastor who I love. Uh, I, I don't know this guy, but I love old pastors. I'll just say, I love all pastors, right? But I had a conversation with this guy, and this is what he said to me. He said, I hate Christmas. I'm like, That's kind of weird for a pastor to say. He goes, it's so commercial. <laughs> and you know what I said? I said, isn't it great? <laughs> and he didn't know what I said. But I said, listen, listen. Of course, I love that it's commercialized because we're celebrating something we don't know. Now, we, we can't reject it. We shouldn't rejoice in it. But here's what we should do. We should redeem it. We should tell the world the real true meaning of Christmas and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you see where I'm going, church? That's how you live in exile, is you redeem it. And I'm going to bring it back to Daniel now. Daniel chapter 1, verse 10. But the official told Daniel, remember what he said? He said, I'm not going to eat the food. The, the official had compassion on Daniel, verse 10. But the official said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king. Who has assigned you food and drink? Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king then would have my head because of you. Now, why this verse is so important, and I don't want you to miss what he's actually saying there. Did you hear what he said? He's the official in the most powerful army in the world. He doesn't have to listen to this little Hebrew boy of anything he says. But he says, listen, Daniel, I can see that you're not going to rejoice in this. And I can see that you're not rejecting it, but here's what I'm going to say. If you don't do this, I'm going to lose my head. Do you understand what he's saying, church? He's saying, Daniel, I'm going to put my life on the line to defend you, and it's going to cost me my life for your belief. How crazy is that, church? That this little Hebrew boy had influenced this official so much and loved him so much, met him where he's at, probably prayed for him all the time, that this official would look at Daniel and say, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for you. And, and I just want to say something just to throw this out there. How many of us would have that said about us? 
Who is somebody in your life who is so far from God right now? Think about them. And would they say that about you? Would they say, listen, Jeff, I don't agree with what you believe. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in church. But I tell you what, I will die for your belief because of what you believe and because of your love. That's what we're called to do, church. That's what Daniel did. That's what that group of Christians did with the Christmas celebration. And that's what God's called us to do today, to love people so much. Check, check this out, church. To love people so much that they'd be willing to die for our belief even if they didn't agree with it. How cool would that be, church? And, and, and this is what happened. Daniel loved him. And, and look at what happens in verse 11. And I'm going to walk you through this so you can understand how we can do this in our lives. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief officials appointed over Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. Remember Bible reading tip? If you can't pronounce the name, just say it with authority. Nobody else knows how to say it either. Okay? Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearances with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Daniel redeemed the situation not by putting on a hunger strike and making a big show of it. And he didn't go along with it like everybody else did. He said, hey, I've got an idea. Let's just try this. Here's a way that I can still honor what you're saying to do, but I also am not compromising on my beliefs. And, and I want to say this. I don't think the test, the testing was for the officials to see how they do. I don't believe the test was just for the official. I believe Daniel was being tested as well. And, and, and I've got this phrase that I've heard, and you might want to write this down. Before the blessing, there will be a testing. That's good. I'm going to say that again. Before a blessing, there will be a testing. The Bible is very clear. God does not tempt you. Temptation is not in God's vocabulary. You know what God will do? God will test you. And I believe this was a test for Daniel and those four men to say, do you really believe? Are you going to stand by what my word says? I believe this was a test from God. And I'm just going to add to it for a moment. I believe that a lot of times we give the enemy more credit than he deserves. I see people face challenges and facing stress in their life, and, and I'll hear them say things like, oh, I think the enemy's messing with me. Maybe not. Maybe he is. I don't know. But maybe it's God saying, do you really believe this? Do, do you really believe what you say? And, and maybe God is trying to do a work in me, and God wants to see what I'm made of. Because maybe there's somebody in my life who needs to know that my faith is unshakable. Maybe this test wasn't for the official. Maybe it was for Daniel and those other three guys. See, church, here's what I want you to understand. God's desire is that everyone will know him. That everyone will have a relationship with him. And in order for God's blessing and favor to fall on Daniel, God needed to make sure what Daniel was made of. And we're going to spend the rest of the series talking about all the ways that God used Daniel. But this is a key moment in Daniel's life. Because look what happens in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, <laughs> look at this church. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. I think God just laughs when things like that happens, right? If God's called you to it, he'll see you through it. How many have heard that before, right? If you want to have an unshakable faith, a lot of times we're more focused on the outcome, and I think God is more focused on our obedience. God just wants to know, do you trust me no matter what? God, when I look at my budget, I don't see where I can tithe 10%. 
Do you trust me? No matter what, what my word says. God, we're opening a business and there's a lot of things that are going to happen. And I know your word says to be closed one day a week to honor you. Do you trust me? Will you take a stand? There will be a testing before there is a blessing. And Daniel understood that. And I always call these conversations Daniel 1 conversations. Where, where we'll face a challenge in life. And I've heard this story many, many times from many different people. Where they said, I was faced with a choice at work, in my marriage, in, in a relationship, where I had to make a stand for God. And I had to stand up and I had to say, this isn't okay and I need to do this. And God is faithful in what he does, church. But I believe that before the blessing, there will be a testing. Because if we want to redeem the world, we need to show that we're unshakable. And this is a story that I've shared before, but it's, it's worth repeating again. Again, I call these Daniel 1 conversations. When Elaine and I first moved to Yankton, I got an opportunity to work at, at a place here in town that was amazing. God opened this great door for me. It was going to be a great position for me to get the church started and be in the community. It was fantastic. And I went in to one of my very first days where, you know, you sign all the papers and you get everything going. And, and they said to me, oh, hey, by the way, there's this training that's going to be in a different town. And we just hired this other young lady. So you and this other young lady are going to need to ride in a car together, go to this town, and there's going to be a three-day training that you guys are going to have to do there. And, and I had to say, well, well listen, I can't do that. Because what you might not know about me is one of the things that I do in my life is I'm never, I, I try to make a very clear boundary where I'm never riding in a car alone with a woman who's not in my family. I just don't want to put myself in that position. I won't go out to lunch alone with another woman. I just don't want anything to happen with that. It's, it's a rule that I followed in my life. And it's something that I established. And I want to let you know that this organization wasn't very happy with me. It, it might have been that I might have had to lose my job. If I said, hey, I'm not going to do this, that's a problem. But now, like I said, I, I want to back up and say this. I didn't just say I'm not going to do it, right? <laughs> I proposed, I was Dan, like Daniel, I said, listen, is it okay if we did this instead? And I proposed another plan. And, and I'll be honest with you, their response was, I'm not sure we'll have to get back to you on that. Eesh, that's not good, right? So I went home and I prayed. I said, God, I get emotional when I'm talking about it. It's four years ago. I said, God, I know you called me to this community. I believe that you want me in this position. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to stress. But if the answer is no, I believe you shut that door and you're going to open another door. And I would have had to walk away from a secure job to be part of that. And don't ever miss this church. I believe our church was born on that day. Because God wanted to know, what am I made of? Am I just coming down here to blow smoke or am I coming down here to build his kingdom? Am I going to make a stand and I'm going to say there is a God in heaven? And what he does matters. And ever since then, church, God has blessed this church in a mighty way. And I believe with all my heart that our church was born on that day. And I want to challenge you today to say, what are those Daniel 1 conversations you need to have? What are the stands that you need to make for God? Because God will do it. God will bring you through it. But before the blessing, there will be a testing. God wants to see what you're made of. And you go to verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. That's the king. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And then verse 21, church, I don't want you to miss this. 
And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. This Hebrew teenager who is taken away from his home, taken away from his family, pressured into the crowd to go with this brand new pagan king, took a stand for God and said, I will not defile myself. He made up his mind ahead of time. He said, I'm not going to do it. But he didn't just go up and throw a salt or shine his light in the official eye. He loved the official. I guarantee you it's not written in here, but for him to have that kind of favor and that relationship meant that he was doing what he should do and loving his enemies and praying for them. And he had an opportunity. They found a way to work through that together. He took his life into his own hands, and church, God blessed that decision. And I believe everything we know about Daniel came back to that one point where he said, I'm not going to reject it. I can't rejoice in it, but I'm going to redeem the situation. And because of that, Daniel went on to serve, and we'll talk about this in the next few weeks, under four pagan kings in two different kingdoms, and he was completely unshakable. Amen. And that's what God wants for your life. That's what God wants for each one of you. But you have to decide today, are you going to do it? Are you going to be unshakable? Are you not going to compromise God's belief? But are you going to do it with enough love and respect for your fellow men that they're going to accept what you're saying even if they disagree with it and love you where they're at? Are you going to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? And throughout this series, I mentioned this last week, there's a verse. And, and, and I want you to know this verse is my prayer for our church throughout this series. I've been praying this because I believe that God wants to do a mighty work in our church throughout this series. 1 Peter 5.10. And it's going to be up on the screen, and I'm going to read it, but I'm going to read it as a prayer for you, because that's how I've been praying it. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, if you miss that, church, your pastor just prayed that you might suffer a little. And you're like, pastor, you pray that I suffered? Yeah, I do because I love you. And sometimes, in order to get the blessing, we might need the testing first. It wasn't easy for Daniel to say, listen, I'm not gonna do that. And I don't know what you're facing right now in your life, but I guarantee you somebody in this room or watching online is facing a challenge that they have to say, listen, this isn't okay. I have to stop whatever it is that I'm doing. Or, or I have to have a conversation with somebody that might be a little difficult. But I know I need to do it because my God has called me to be holy. And I need to make a stand and do that. I'm not going to reject this person, but my goal is to redeem them, that they might come to relationship with God. I don't know this for a fact, but, but I just bet in my spirit that that official that Daniel talked to, I bet he's in heaven right now. I bet because of his relationship with Daniel, Daniel led him to a relationship with God, and someday we might meet him. I don't know that for sure. But can I tell you this? Whatever you need to take care of in your life, it's because God wants somebody in your life to know him. And, and God's tired of his church playing games. I can't do that, church. I can't be a pastor that's going to play games. I can't stand up from the pulpit and preach God's word and then go out and live however we want to throughout the rest of the week. I can't do that. I love you, but it's time for us to really make a stand. I can't stand to see one more church in this community close, knowing that there's so many people who need to know Jesus Christ and his love. And we're called to do that in his kingdom. But we're called to redeem it. It's going to create a tension in your life. 
I say if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you don't experience some tension in your life, you might not be as following him as much as you think. Because <laughs> it's hard. And I have these moments in my own life, even as a pastor, guys. It, it, I mean, the game goes up for me, right? Because everybody I sit down with and talk to knows who I am and what I do. And there's been times where I've wanted to compromise and say, oh, it's no big deal. No, I can't do that. Because again, what my God has called me to do is to stand firm and be unshakable, just like Daniel did. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to redeem it, just like he did with Daniel. God wants to use this church and this community in the same way he used Daniel and his four friends to influence the culture for a positive way and to set up after 70 years. Remember, Daniel never saw the promise. And if God takes me home and I never get to see the promise, but because of my faithfulness, this community is redeemed. Can I tell you something? I'll be okay with that. Amen. Daniel's not sitting in heaven right now saying, geez, I wish I would have got to see the promised land. You know what Daniel's saying? I'm so glad I was faithful with what God gave me. Amen. And we're going to talk about this throughout this series. 70 years, church. This wasn't just one and done conversation and Daniel's life was roses. It actually got worse. And we're going to walk through that. But are you willing to pay that price? Because I know Daniel's pretty glad that he did. I know I'm glad Daniel did because it's an example that we can follow to this day. That's the kind of church we're going to be. That's the kind of pastor I want to be for you. Let's go to prayer. God, we're going to need a lot of you if we're going to be Daniels in our world. God, we are constantly, constantly, constantly bombarded with messages from culture about, oh, this is okay, or this is no big deal, or I can't believe you do that. And God, on the other side, there's people who in the name of Jesus Christ say hurtful and mean and demeaning things and reject them in such a hurtful way that why would they ever want to come to know you, God? And God, for, for that mindset, I beg your forgiveness in Jesus' name. I beg your forgiveness that the church in the United States is more known for what we're against than by how we love each other and how we love people we disagree with. And God, I rebuke anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ and will use their social media as a weapon to attack someone else. God, take it down in Jesus' name. But but God, I, I can't I can't ignore I can't ignore the other side of it. Where there's people who are condoning things that are not okay. It's very clear in your word. What your word says, God. There is truth and there is love, and we need to make a stand on that. But God, there's a tension in that. And God, I pray that we would be Daniels in those tensions. I would use those situations to redeem them for you. God, I know in my heart whenever I have those conversations, my prayer to you is always, okay, God, what do you want to show this person about you right now? How can I love this person the way that you love me? Because God, at the end of the day, none of us deserve anything but hell. We deserve your wrath. We deserve your condemnation. But you loved us when we were unlovable. And Jesus, you came to this earth as a little baby and we celebrated every December 25th because a group of Christians got it and they understood it's more about telling them about you than it is about my position or my beliefs or my feelings. And Jesus, you came and you died on the cross for us. We just celebrated that on Easter. And we have a hope. We have the greatest hope of the world, God. Your plan of redemption is placed and it's in this room. We have the answers. God, help us to cling to that. Help us to be unshakable. 
God, help us to be honest with each other and with ourselves. When we fail, when we miss it, but help us to celebrate when we see one of your children be redeemed. God, that's why the name of this church is celebrating will always be as long as I'm the pastor because we're in the redemption business where lives can be changed. And God, I'm asking you for hundreds and hundreds more in this community to come to know you because of there being Daniels in this church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. Or you can join us live online from our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, Celebrate Yankton. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website, yankton.church. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share with others.